Welcome to the Thinking Leader Podcast, sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, we bring you new ideas and insights from business leaders, military leaders, and thought leaders. Ideas and insights that will help you think more deeply and lead more effectively, so that you can better navigate your complex world. Here again are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker Bryce Hoffman, and former Royal Air Force Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach Marcus Dimbleby. Hello and welcome to the show. I am Bryce Hoffman, President of Red Team Thinking, author of the book Red Teaming, joined as always by... Hello there, Marcus Dimbleby, Vice President of Red Team Thinking, and boy do we have a show for you today. Bryce, who is our guest? Oh my gosh! This is this this folks. I, I hope you're sitting down. This is this is going to be the best show ever today. It is it is our privilege, our honor to have on the show my mentor, my friend, and the greatest CEO of the past half century, if not more, Alan Mulally, and. Alan, welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be with both of you. Thank you. It's so great to have you on the show. And folks, if you're listening on the podcast, I want to recommend you check this show out on Red Team TV. It's red-team.tv because Alan today is going to give us a masterclass in leadership. And he's got some really cool slides. We'll put those slides in the show notes if you're listening, so you can you can get them there and download them there. But this is a show that you are definitely going to want to watch. And for those of you who are watching, you are in for a treat today. It's going to be amazing, Alan. You know, I, I you've been on the podcast before. Obviously, we wrote a book, and it's been such a privilege for me to be able to share your leadership model, your leadership journey with the world, but there's still so much to learn. Last time you were on, we talked about leading through crisis. But today, I want to drill down even deeper and talk about your own leadership journey. You've often said that to lead is to serve. Why do you, why do you say that? And how did you personally develop this attitude of servant leadership? Well, uh, that's a great way uh, to start. And uh, I think what I'd like to do is, uh, in sharing my story, is maybe start uh, when I was young and the big influences in my life. And when I was growing up, we, we lived with very modest means. But even so, I was, uh, and my sisters were so uh, fortunate to have uh, a mother and a father that absolutely loved us. And they taught us from the, as long as I can remember that uh, that if we learn to work together with others, then we could really make a big difference, a positive difference to, for the greater good in our world. And of course, uh, I grew up in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, where the University of Kansas was, and so I had a window of the, into the world, which was incredible. And my parents actually would were associated with the university also, they would actually invite the students that were not able to go home around the world over to our house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so I just sat around the table. I just, I was in awe. I, the question, I just couldn't get a, enough questions in and answers to get their perspective and their thoughts and their values and what they care about. And so I remember that from uh, very early on. And then in addition to that, uh, my mother and father really stressed some fundamental uh, principles and practices of living, which I'd, I'd love to share with you. It was really fun to, to uh, think about this, uh, getting ready to have this uh, conversation with you. And so the, one day my, my mother would say, so uh, remember, honey, the purpose of life is to love and be loved. And I'd go, oh, yes, mom, I remember that. And then just say, now, but remember in that order. Oh, yes. Thanks, mom. Then the next day I'd be going off to school and my dad would say, honey, remember to serve is to live. 
Thanks, Dad. Yeah, I remember that. Then the next day, my mom would say, uh, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice, honey. Thanks, Mom. Got it. And then another thing they would say is they really, really made a big difference to me I, uh, over time was seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Another one was by working together with others, you're going to be able to make a positive difference uh, for the greater good. And then they always stressed lifelong learning and continuous improvement, which uh, integrate all aspects of my life. And then, of course, respect to people, respect everyone. We're all creatures of God and we're worthy to be loved. And the other one that really made a difference uh, growing up um, as I got married and, and worked at Boeing and served at Boeing and Ford was develop one integrated life which is delivering your life's work. So include all the parts of your life that, that are important to you. So uh, I was like all, all kids, I, we had very little resources, but I, I wanted to fit in. I, I wanted a pair of Levi jeans and some Legion shoes and, and some penny loafers, maybe a car, maybe go to KU in college later on. And so with my parents teaching and their encouragement, I decided my way forward was to serve, and maybe I could um, obtain enough resources to buy those special uh, Levi jeans. And so I started my work, and I, I started with a TV guide route and newspaper routes, and then I, I developed a lawn mowing business. I was a bagger uh, and a checker at the Dillon's grocery store, and then uh, night manager at one of their stores. I was a carpenter, uh, a rancher, a farmhand. Uh, I played sports. Uh, I was in a fraternity in college and I was a rest chairman and a president. And all the while, I'm learning aerospace, aeronautical, and astronautical engineering at the University of Kansas. And with summer jobs at, at Beach Aircraft in Cessna in Boeing. And so uh, when I started this work, I was just... I became so aware of the power and the advantages of working together by including all of the stakeholders to get whatever the purpose was that we were all committed to. So that included the customers, my parents, my family, the employers, the employees, suppliers, the communities, competitors, the bankers, the investors, everybody associated with all these different businesses. Uh, I'd always include and ask them for their help as well as continually I talk to them about how we can improve our service. And it's just a funny example of that is that, uh, of course, when I was a, a bagger at the grocery store and with all of the, the uh, winter weather in Kansas, I would go great lengths to package up all our groceries and stuff, make sure it was all, all there and they could get home safely. And, and then when I would, and they would give me uh, wonderful tips. And so this service thing was directly correlated to creating value and being appreciated for your work. And so they promoted me to be a checker. And so when I was checking, people would come through the line and pretty frequently they would give me a tip. Now, I finally said to one of the customers said, why are you giving me a check, a check? I said, I'm not a bagger anymore doing all this work for you. And they said, oh yes, you are. You, uh, you ask us if we've gotten everything, you'll help us get it if we haven't. You'll ask us if we have our coupons to get the best deal at newspaper. And so you are really creating value for us. And so clearly my work uh, was everything that I loved. And I loved uh, continuous improvement. I loved um, obtaining a continuous feedback on how I was doing to support them and also continually improving and growing with my service. And so when I was asked to write uh, a forward, uh, to a book by uh, Francis Hasselbein and Marshall Goldsmith and Sarah MacArthur. The title of it was uh, Work is Love Made Visible. I love that. What I know whatever we're doing, it is our work. It's, it's, we're making it visible, our love made visible. And I, I agreed to do it because it kind of captured everything that I had, uh, the way I had grown up. So um, I, my first, I found my uh, next love uh, at Boeing, and I had the honor to work on every Boeing airplane, the, the 707, 727, 737, 
I like to go through these slowly. They're so cool because everyone's so fantastic. The 747, the 757, the 767. And then I was asked to serve as the chief engineer and the director of engineering and the program manager for the 777 airplane. And then as a CEO of Boeing, uh, I helped uh, create and launch the 787. If you look at all the seats that are flying today around the world, about 70% of those seats are in Boeing airplanes. What so, an amazing accomplishment. And so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't about, uh, as I learned, it wasn't about airplanes. It was about getting people together safely and efficiently around the world. And the other neat thing about that too, Bryce, is that because I traveled so much with the products, uh, I realized that the, the more you can get people together so they can be together and they can appreciate they have more in common than they're different. And they can also then choose to work together for the greater good. So it was, it was a, really a very compelling vision to be able to deliver that, that kind of value. And then I didn't think I'd ever leave Boeing. And, and then I got a call from Bill Ford. And I'm going, Bill Ford, the great-grandson of Henry Ford and the Ford Motor Company? And of course, if you're into technology and innovation and safe and efficient transportation, wow, this is pretty neat. So uh, I started asking Bill a bunch of questions, and, and, and he told me that uh, what he really uh, wanted was for me to join Ford and help him turn around Ford. And he kept sharing that. He shared all of the situation. The more he shared with me, the worse it got. And they had, they had, uh, uh, they had become a house of brands. They bought Aston Martin and Jaguar and Land Rover and Volvo and Mazda, in addition to Ford and Lincoln and Mercury. And they, they really lost their focus on the Ford brand. No one knew what Ford stood for anymore. And also they become very regionalized and that's the way Henry Ford set it up so that he could serve all the countries with the best cars and trucks, but also provide great jobs and great careers. But he never anticipated that there'd be no synergy between them and all those different Fords around the world were completely different companies. Also, uh, they uh, had uh, not invested so much in Ford anymore because they had all these other things to invest in. So they became a, a, a fast follower and not a leader in technology and innovation. And the, the relationship they had with the unions were such that their, their, their company was not competitive. And uh, there was no working together around the world with all these different companies. And so they were losing money on every brand, uh, every vehicle. And I asked Bill finally during the negotiations, Bryce, or during, during his request, uh, I said, so Bill, uh, what's your forecast for profits for this year? And this was in August. And he said, it's a $17 billion loss on the automobile operations alone. Wow. And, I, and then what the funny thing is, after I joined, four months later, we achieved it. Yes, you did. <laughs> so it wasn't a forecast accuracy issue. We needed a different strategy and a different plan. Okay, and so that everything I had learned um, that uh, from my parents and my formation as a as a, a person and as a leader, and all I learned about program and project management uh, at Boeing is exactly what I I then took to Ford, and I every morning and every night. And Bryce, I say thank you for the honor to serve two American and global icons. They, uh, they're a fabulous company. They provide great products and services, and they do it. Uh, they do it by working together by using everybody's talents. Well, and they should both be saying thank you every night to you because both of these companies, as as people probably are well familiar, were headed towards bankruptcy before you took over and, and turned them around, and. To, to have both of these iconic companies. And if you just think about all the products they make for people around the world, all of the jobs that they create, all the communities they support around the world. Yes, if you hadn't taken the helm with these companies, all of that might be gone today. Well, that's true. And, and you think about the importance of those two companies, as you're pointing out, that we would not be free today if it wasn't for Ford and Boeing. And that's right going through World War II because yeah. we're all pulled together to support um, the U.S. government and our allies. And, and to your point, uh, they are the centerpiece of, of not only great products and services, but also safe and efficient transportation, but also economic development, um, environmental sustainability, 
and energy independence um, and security too. And so um, you're absolutely right. It's just, they're fabulous companies and it's just such an honor to serve them. Just a fascinating story, Alan, to hear that journey you've been on from that young boy, you know, bagging at the grocery store to the double CEO title that you hold. And it all stems from, as you said beautifully, this, this parenting, these words of wisdom that you received so often from both your mother and the father that you then took through the rest of that journey. I think it's just incredible to hear, and it just shows the power of parenting. So mums and dads listening out there, you know, you have that great power. So I know Bryce knows all about this. I've heard lots about it, but I want to hear it from you. So tell me and all of our listeners out here, what are the working together principles and practices? Oh, sure. And Marcus, it's a pleasure to meet uh, you too. And I'm so glad that you're you're working together with Bryce to uh, serve also because uh, Bryce is a great leader and you guys are going to do really well together. So it's fun to meet you and, and do this with you. Thanks. So, it's been a pleasure to you. So everything, uh, everything about the working together uh, starts with the principles and practices, which really evolved uh, through the formation, my formation as a person and as a leader. And you'll, it'll be it'll clear to you as I share with you. And so I'm going to share with you the principles and practices and uh, some perspective on. And what we're really talking about, and if you can show this slide, uh, as Bryce pointed out, we have two slides to show. And as Bryce pointed out, um, these, these principles and practices are the base and the fundamental of them moving into a management system that implements them day in and day out with great discipline. So I'm going to just make a, a couple of points about each of the, each of the points. So um, it's our culture. And culture, as we know, is, is uh, who we are, what we do, why we do it and how we do it. It's everything about the way we operate, including the operating process and the expected behaviors. So the first uh, principle is people first, love them up. And of course, I'll just keep using, I'll just use Boeing as an example in, in the airplanes, is that uh, when you're designing a new airplane, you, you can have upwards of 500,000 people that are working on the airplane around the world. And so these are talented people, they're committing their life. They know they're building a cathedral. And so it's just so important that, every, that they all know how important they are in creating this tremendous value for everybody. So being appreciated and, and loving them up. Everyone's included. And that really is important because all of the stakeholders are included, just like I mentioned in my formation. So not only the customers and the employees, but the the suppliers, the investors, the communities in which we operate, the governments which certify the airplanes and operate them. And it's so important that they be included in the entire process. And they're actually in the working other management system. We actually have leaders that represent them on the leadership team. So they know everything that, uh, that we're doing and how it's going in areas of special attention. Then, of course, uh, a compelling vision, a comprehensive strategy and relentless implementation of that strategy to deliver value for all the stakeholders. And when you think of each of the airplanes, uh, the, the vision will start with, is it gonna be long range? Is it gonna be short range? Is it gonna be point to point? Is it gonna be nonstop, polar routes? Every airplane, there's a compelling vision for that airplane. And then of course the strategy is, is the technical strategy, but also all of the rest of the elements of the strategy, including everything about the product, about the process for delivering the product and also all of the people that are involved. And that includes the working together strategy on how we're going to operate, including the expected behaviors. So clear, clear performance goals are really important. We're having one plan and everybody knows that plan. Usually in most companies, as we all know, there are many plans and everybody's wondering what the plan is. Too many plans. And of course, facts and data are really important and one of the reasons is that, that we really care about what everybody thinks, but we really want to know also what are the facts and data that, that you're looking at? Because when we do have an issue, then we want to know what you're looking at so we all can move forward together with confidence to turn the reds to yellows to greens to solve the issue. Now, looking over on the right-hand side, 
a little bit more about the, the behaviors. Expect the unexpected, expect to deal with it. Thank you, mom and dad. No kidding. <laughs> so, uh, because design is a creative process and it's an iterative process. And so uh, you have a plan and then you start working on the plan and you're going to find things that, that uh, are happening that get you off the plan or it needs a different solution. And so you want to expect the unexpected and expect to deal with it, including the reality in the world. Because the world's changing, the technology's changing, the demographics, the people. And so now, if you expect the unexpected, expect to deal with it, now you're going to actually manage the change in a positive way where you uh, mitigate the, uh, the issues and also capture the opportunities to further grow. Everybody knows the plan, the status, and the areas of special attention. So important. There's no way to create an airplane with 4 million parts that flies halfway around the world on a schedule to deliver, meet all those requirements on safety and performance and reliability and maintainability. If everybody doesn't know the plan, doesn't know the status, the reds, the also reason we actually, each of the leaders when we do the business plan review, they actually color code their chart about what is going well, uh, what has an area that uh, needs special attention, that a yellow that, they have a solution or a red, which we call a gem. Thank you, thank you for sharing. We have an issue, but we still are working on the on the solution. And of course, you can see the behaviors, propose a plan, positive, find a way attitude. Every time I think of this, Marcus, I, I think of the Henry Ford quote where he said, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're probably right. <laughs> Great <laughs> quote. It's one of my favorites, too. The only way that you can do great things like this is to have a positive can-do, find-a-way attitude. Uh, respect each other, listen to each other, help each other, and appreciate each other. Now, you notice these are really complicated, fancy words. They're all things that you can see. Everybody has their beliefs. They have their values, and we respect that. But what we really are focused on is the manifestation of that. What are the behaviors? Because these are the things that we can see and we can hold ourselves accountable for following these behaviors because these are the behaviors that we need and how each of us needs to be treated and to be able to accomplish this working together. Emotional resilience, trust the process of working together. When we have an issue, go right back up to the top, make sure you got everybody included, you know what the facts and data are, you're working on it together. The last one, have fun, enjoy the journey and each other. Um, I just, well, as I mentioned, I, I say thank you in the morning. I say thank you at night. I've never had so much fun for 38 years of Boeing and eight years of Ford uh, to serve. And the journey has been great. And the meeting and working with the people and all the stakeholders has been fantastic. Now, one corollary to this is never a joke or humor at anybody's expense. And the reason is, it's never funny. And people will go along to get along. But why that's so detrimental to working together is that if anyone feels like they're going to be the brunt of a joke or made fun of, they're going to be very resident, very careful not to share everything that's going on. And then now you're managing the secret because you don't know what the real situation is in real time. So you want to, you want, this whole thing is about nurturing a psychologically safe culture where people are appreciating the reds and the yellows as much as the greens and working to turn the reds to yellows uh, to greens. So those are the fundamental principles and practices of working together now. Well, I mean, before you go on, Alan, I just got to say, you know, looking at this reminds me of when you first started at Ford you put these principles up on the wall in the Thunderbird room for the senior leadership team. Yes. And when I was, when I was working on my first book, American icon, Alan Mulally and the fight to save Ford motor company. Um, I, I had the opportunity to sit and talk with every single one of the executives who was part of your original senior leadership team, as you know, you sure did. And there wasn't a single one who was impressed by these on day one. There wasn't a single one <laughs> who didn't look at your list and say, who the hell is this guy coming in here telling us how to behave 
Uh, and, and we are the titans of the automobile industry. And we got to where we were, we are because we're, we're, we're street fighters and stuff. And now he's telling us that we're going to, we're going to respect each other. We're going to listen. We're going to help each other. We're going to have fun. This isn't fun. This is war. And yet almost all of those people after they'd experienced the power of this model of this, of this model of respect of working together of working as a team, it was, it, they became, they, 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 they be, they became converts to, 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 to the, the working together philosophy because they saw the value of this. They saw that you could get more done by respecting each other and helping each other than you could by trying to shoot each other down every day. Yeah, absolutely. And an interesting fact about that is that uh, eight years later, uh, only uh, two people, the original people on the 16 member team, uh, were not there. One of them retired. It's an amazing testament to so it. And every one of them was offered a senior job, including being a CEO at another company, because of what you said is that they took their leadership to a whole nother level of inclusion and performance. One more thing about the chart right in the bottom is PGA with a heart around it. And PGA does not stand for Professional Golf Association. It stands for profitable growth for all. And everything about this chart and these principles and practices is to deliver the creation of value for everyone, for all the stakeholders. And so it's profitably growing over time. And because if you're not growing, you're dying as an institution or a company or an organization. And so you do that by making products and services that people want. That's the revenue side. You know, and they pay for it because they value them. And on the margin side, which is the efficiency side, by improving your efficiency every year. And so profits equals revenue times margins. And most companies will improve their revenue by five to seven percent a year. Same thing on the on the margins, the efficiency. And 1.07 times 1.07 is 1.15. And so the profits are growing at 15% a year. The cash flow is following. And everybody, all the stakeholders are benefiting. So we measure that plus the satisfaction of all of the ship and the stakeholders to give you the feedback you need to continue to improve. One people that always want to see this chart that you always ask me about my airplane down in the right hand corner. And so that's going to ask you about that. <laughs> that's my signature, and there's my airplane. And so yeah. uh, when I was uh, growing up in engineering, because uh, I love airplanes, and I was in, in, in flight dynamics and flight control and stability control, and I just loved it when I through, was presenting the airplane, for example, uh, I would sit down and I'd draw my airplane and I'd write the equations of motion around it just to enjoy myself technically. And so one time I was in Guangzhou, China with China Southern Airlines. And we were finishing uh, our conversation about them purchasing $20 billion worth of airplanes. And uh, so I presented the airplane, I sat down, and I drew my airplane, so I had to write the crazy motion. And the chairman of China Southern was sitting on the other side of the table, and he stopped the meeting, and he said, ah, Mr. Mullally, that's your sign, that's your chop, that's your bean. And I said, well, yes, sir, I, it is. I, I live to create uh, and service and support the very best commercial airplanes in the world. And he said, I, I, I can tell. And, and he said, uh, I'd like you to sign that our $20 million contract with that, your signature and that airplane. So I turned around to the contracts <laughs> and the lawyers. And I said, what do you, what do you all think? And I said, oh, Mr. Long, you can't sign a $20 billion contract with a doodle of an airplane. <laughs> and so I turned around to the chairman and I said, what do you think? And he, so um, this is the biggest decision we're ever going to make. This is going to be the future of the company with this decision to go with Boeing and this fabulous airplane. And so, and so uh, I'm only going to sign it if you sign it with that airplane. <laughs> I turned around to, to the lawyers and contracts group again. I said, what do you think now? They, they turned around and they said, you know, we really like your airplane. 
<laughs> Funny that. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Oh, those, uh, those are the principles and uh, practices. Brilliant. And, and for those who aren't seeing Alan's very cool airplane signature, just a reminder that we will put these slides in the show notes. Alan, I, I just want to, you know, a lot of times people talk a good talk. A lot of times people offer great principles, but then when you look at their at their performance, they don't match up to their principles. But I just want to testify here, so to speak, as someone who's had the privilege of, of working with you for many years and watching you lead the, the turnaround of Ford Motor Company, every single principle up here is something I saw you live every day. And not just you live, but I saw you inculcate in your team and help them develop the, the people first attitude, the loving them up. You, you led Ford through its darkest hours during the, the global financial crisis. And, and yet everybody I talked to said that, that you always were patting people on the back. You always were encouraging them. And I saw at the time, for those who don't know, I was, I was, I was a journalist at the time. I got better. But at the time, I was a journalist covering Ford. And every press conference... Instead of Alan Mulally standing in the spotlight by himself, basking in the glory of the accomplishments that he was that that that, that were occurring at Ford, he was pulling. You were pulling people into the spotlight with you. You were saying, "Everybody, I want you to meet this guy. He is the engineer who is is behind our new F one hundred and fifty pickup." And you were so you were loving them up. And you were including everyone. And when you included everyone, it wasn't just the employees of Ford Motor Company. You were including the union leaders. You were including the suppliers. Yeah. You were including the dealers. You called all of the dealers to Detroit, filled Ford Field <laughs> with them, and made all of Ford sales employees tell them, we love you. Nobody does that in, in, in the automobile industry. And it worked. People were people had tears in their eyes. I had dealers calling me choked up saying, I've never experienced this much love from, from a car company. I was going to sell my Ford franchise and now I'm going to keep it and I'm going to invest in it. You gave everyone these crystal clear goals, such a simple four-point plan. Make cars and trucks that people want and value. Restructure the company to meet the changing demand and model mix. Work together effectively as one team. Finance the plan in strengthen our balance sheet. It was so clear. So you gave everyone clear goals, everyone a clear plan. And then through your BPR, your business plan review process, you focused on the facts and data at a company that before you came in was only focused on politics and personality. I had several executives tell me that until they sat through their first BPR meeting, they had worked at the company for decades and they never knew what was going on because everybody showed them a different set of numbers and nobody knew what was true and what was false. Expecting the unexpected and, and dealing with it, you know, you, I, I, I'll never forget that the, uh, when I was watching the video of your first town hall meeting, the day you were hired at Ford Motor Company, when they were already, people knew they were, they were headed towards the cliff. And a woman stood up in the audience and said, Mr. Mullally, you're going to ask, you're asking us to do a lot of heavy lifting here to turn this company around. And we've looked at what you did at Boeing and it was, it was painful, but you say Boeing and we think you're going to do the same thing here, but I'll, I'll, I'm willing to do that. If you'll promise me that if we do this, that it's going to, you're going to save Ford. And, and you said, I'm not a fortune teller. I can't promise you that. But what I can promise you is that if you and I, and all of us do these things together, we're not going to leave anything on the table. We're going to pull every lever and we're, I think we're going to save this company. But if we don't, we're going to go home and know that we didn't, there's nothing we didn't try. So dealing with the unexpected, you turn the company around in a year and then the global financial crisis happened and people were like, what do we do now? We need a new plan. You're like, no, we're just going to deal with this using the same plan. That was radical. And making sure everybody knew the plan, proposing the plan, the positive find a way attitude. I taught no one ever saw you not smiling at Ford Motor Company. And, and that's and that's and that's an amazing story. I, I mean, I asked so many people, did, it, did you ever see in the depths of the financial crisis, Alan 
<clears throat> with sweat on his brow or grimacing, people say no. As you know, one of my favorite stories, your, your friend and mine, Karen Hampton, she told me there's one time when I saw Alan looking stressed. I came into his office and he was squeezing a, a stress ball. <laughs> and I said, Alan, we must be going out of business. If you're, sque- if you're so stressed, you're squeezing a stress ball. This must be it. I better go get my resume together. And you said, no, Karen, I hurt my, my shoulder playing tennis. And my doctor gave this to me to, <laughs> to squeeze. The emotional resilience, trusting the process, and the having fun. Even in the depths of the financial crisis, you were always positive, always upbeat. You know that I, I called you cheerleader in chief of Ford Motor Company in the paper because you were, you were always out there, you know, shaking the, 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 the blue pom-pom saying, we can do this. Let's get through this together. So I just wanted to share all that because these aren't just words on, on a slide. These aren't just things that you put out to make people feel good. You've lived these and you helped other people live this. And this is really how you turn Ford around and how you turn Boeing around. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Bryson. This neatest thing uh, about having a compelling vision and a comprehensive strategy for achieving that and also a relentless implementation plan and the discipline that goes with that. And also creating this culture that is healthy, it's safe, people are appreciated, they're seen, they know they're part of the plan, and they know that everybody's going to benefit. Um, all the stakeholders are going to benefit, starting with the, with the traveling public. So yeah. uh, it's a, it really, working together works. And, and it's worked over and over on every airplane program, all the different vehicles, Boeing, Ford, around the world. So uh, it's, that's why it's, got, it's really fun to share. Wow, Alan, you have given us so much to think about. I have so many questions. I'm sure Marcus does too. Let's take a short break and we'll continue the conversation when we get back. Does your organization have a red team culture? Is it an innovative, learning and resilient culture that is continually improving, continually adapting and continually evolving to meet the new challenges and opportunities each day brings? Or is it reactive, siloed and hamstrung by command and control leadership that doesn't like to be challenged or questioned? Does your organisation encourage diversity of thought and ensure that everyone's voice is heard? Or does it silence dissent and promote those who toe the line? Take our free assessment and find out how your organization rates. There's a link to it in the notes below. Let's see how you score. Welcome back. Wow, what a conversation we've been having. Marcus, you've got a question. And all these 12 points, every single one of them has got people at the heart of it. And I absolutely love that. And when I'm teaching and training, I'll say to whoever's in front of me, whatever organization said, what business are you in? And they'll tell me this and that. And I said, no, you're in the people business. And, and <laughs> yeah, you've, actually, you've nailed that so much of this journey you've been on and captured beautifully here. And the PGA heart thing is just everybody's winning if you do that. And have fun. That's my third life principle is always have fun. And it's just great to hear how you've done that and brought it to life so, so vividly. So for those who aren't familiar with it, what is the working together management system? that enables all this? Because this is great. It's just words. This is the why and the what, but what is the how? Talk us through that, please. Well, that's exactly uh, right, Marcus, because the principles and practices are are clear. They're compelling. Uh, they're the right thing to do. It's the right way to treat each other. It's the right way to have discipline on your meetings uh, and work together. And so if we turn to the next chart, the next slide, this is the working together management system that uh, you asked about, and I'll share a a few thoughts about the five elements. So you can see that, and right in the middle is PGA, problem (laughs) We're gonna grow this bit, we're gonna create a business that's growing based on innovation on products and services and continuing improvement in the productivity for all the good of all the stakeholders. So the principles and practices we talked about, and they clearly cover everything about the operating processes, but also, the expected behaviors to deliver probable growth for all. Then going around the next principle, the governance process. And what that encompasses is the board of directors, the leadership team, where everybody's included, the creating value roadmap, the business plan review, 
And then also the special attention meetings that we deal with the areas that need special attention, the yellows and the reds. So those are the set of meetings. And those set of meetings, uh, my experience has been, are 50% less time than most companies spend in meetings because they're so focused on each of those um, each of those objectives. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Then you look at the leadership team. And of course, the leader in the leadership team is absolutely critical to establishing the working together culture and nurturing that culture. And probably the most important thing about the leadership team is that they are coaching and they're facilitating and they're including all the stakeholders. But they're also, uh, they're also leading the, the cohesion and diversity and the inclusion. And they're leading with humility, love and service and courage and discipline and civility and authenticity and being leading with the best positive self. And so those characteristics are what establish the culture throughout the employees at the company, but also throughout the whole supply chain and all the rest of the stakeholders. And probably the most important responsibility and role and contribution of the leader and leadership team is to hold themselves and the team and all the participants accountable and responsible for following the working together management system, both the process, processes and also the behaviors. And we can talk a bit more about that, about uh, how, how we do that. And of course, the last thing is that everybody is, has a growth plan and we use performance management stakeholder center coaching that Marshall Goldsmith pioneered where every member of the team and throughout the whole organization, they have a plan to continuously improve their individual and their team and the organization's performance and their, uh, their technical and their uh, functional capability. So lifelong learning and continuous improvement. Thank you, mom and dad. So <laughs> you look at the, at the creating value roadmap, the next, and you look on the left-hand side there and you can see it, that we lay out the, the profitable growth. We go five years out. That's revenue times margin. And everything that we've come together on the vision and the strategy is all represented on our opinion that this is what that's going to deliver because of making prices are what people want and value with their increasing productivity. And if you, the reason we go out five years, if you discount that back, that's about 80% of the value. And our goal is to increase the value of the organization uh, by 10 to 15% every year by continually innovating and enhancing the products and services and productivity, plus all of the other performance measures for all of the stakeholders like employee satisfaction and supplier satisfaction, community satisfaction. And so that's the creating value roadmap. We're constantly looking to innovate and improve the product, the process, the people, strategies to deliver the profitable growth for all. And of course, that feedback, that continuing feedback every quarter, every year, allows us to do this in a very disciplined manner. Now, the next one, the business plan review process, that has gotten so much attention over the years, which is really fun. Is this your famous BPR I've heard it's so much about? BPR, that's what they say. Yeah. It calls it the BPR. This works for your personal life, your family life, your life's work, wherever you, whatever you're doing. Because once you've agreed on the plan, on where you're going, then it's really important to regularly review the status of that plan and the areas need special attention so you can work on it. So you see on the left-hand side of the chart there, it's a weekly meeting. And we start with every member of the team reviewing their business environment from their point of view, whether it's engineering, manufacturing, human resources, uh, legal. And the point is that the world is changing and we all want to know from each of us how we see that world changing so that we can uh, mitigate the things that are going to get in the way that are dangerous to our, our plan and also capture all the opportunities that we see in the world like technology and people develop and stuff and, and capture those opportunities to enhance the plan. And then we also look for the areas that need special attention, and that's where we work those in, in our special attention meeting for strategy, 
product, the process, and people. And we do one of those meetings each week. So every month, we have four business plan reviews, and we have four meetings on special attention uh, to uh, turn the reds to yellows to greens. And of course, you see on the very bottom, the last, last thing we're working on, or everything that we're doing, is to deliver a better plan. And so we're, we're looking for capturing those opportunities, mitigating the risk. So by the time we get to the end of the year, the update of the plan, when we take off this year's uh, profit, if we put on the profit five years out, anticipated, that takes about five nanoseconds because we have continually worked this all year long to capture those opportunities and mitigate the risk. So those are those five elements are a very, very reliable process, a reliable system with very, very clear um, behaviors on how we're going to treat each other and we're going to be, be treated. Yeah. So it's our culture again, because it includes who we are, uh, what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. And everyone knows and everyone has adopted this value creation and growth mindset. Fabulous. You mentioned the, the who, what, where, when, you know, the five W's and the one H. And for me, the simplicity of this and then the clarity that that allows. And then obviously the discipline of delivering that. And I love your zero tolerance for violating, not holding people responsible and accountable for this. That's the key, as you mentioned, making sure this simple framework constantly gets applied, achieves greatness. And, and, and you prove that and it's, it's, it's super. It's interesting too, uh, Marcus, the, the way you're saying it is exactly right. But Marshall Goldsmith, uh, you know, one of our heroes when it comes to working together and uh, behaviors that, that enable that, he, he says uh, over and over again, wherever he goes, he says, what Alan's talking about here is such common sense. He's all, <laughs> yes. all these CEOs around the world. It's such uncommon practice. Now, what I would say is it is an unbelievable opportunity for everybody. Yes. Everybody to create and nurture this culture. Yeah. It, it, it really works. And it's and the thing that I love is that you start this at the top of the house, but all of this ultimately cascades down throughout the whole organization. So I know at Ford, I believe it was, I believe it was Ford Credit was the first group, first person on, on the senior leadership team, the president of Ford Credit, to take this to his team and say, you know what, this is working for us at the top of the house. I want to use this to run my team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And remember why we did that, Bryce, is that we have the data it's just fed into the financial system, which goes throughout the system. So every time we have a BPR, all of this, the status, all flows throughout the organization, out through all the supply chain. And then the data comes back up. This is all coming from the people that are all participating. And, and so we can't, we can't get enough of that business plan review. I've missed maybe 10 of them in 45 years, because even if you're calling in, you want to see the 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 new reds, you want to see the reds going to yellows and greens. And, and in two hours, everybody, based on everybody presenting, everybody knows everything. And so that's why when people say to Marcus is coming early, how do you sleep at night when you're when you're leading an organization like this or an airplane program? Well, we just had a business plan review. Everybody knows everything. Everybody is now focused on working together, turn the reds to yellow screen. I sleep really well. The most important thing for all of us is go to bed, get some sleep, and come back with a positive can-do, find-a-way attitude. Yeah, right. Having that situational awareness. And, and ultimately, it got to the point where I could go in. This was probably two years after you started at Ford. Every place I walked into in the Ford ecosystem in the world, you could walk into a parts depot in Barcelona, Spain, and say, what day is your BPR meeting? And people get their, their eyes would light up and say, oh, we have our BPR meetings on Tuesdays, you know? And, and, and it cascaded down to that level. We have, we just had a wonderful woman in, in one of our classes, Marcella, who is a Ford yeah. dealer in Mexico and huge fan of yours. Shout out to Marcella. And 
She's using the BPR, pro they were using the BPR process at her dealership in Mexico because they were so inspired by it. And so that's the thing is, is this, people see this work, it cascades down and then you create this amazing feedback loop here because the leadership is, cas is coming down from the top, but the information is flowing up from the bottom to the top. And it just yeah. creates this amazing organizational awareness. Think about what that means for every individual participating. Because when I mentioned that they all have, we all have a uh, personal improvement plan and a, and a plan to improve our, our working together, is that we share that, like on the leadership team, each member shares that plan. They also talk to all the leadership team members and ask them, following Marshall's stakeholders in our coaching, what can I do? What are one or two things that I can do to help us be even more effective as a team and, and me individually. And then, and people share that in a, in a positive way. And so you can imagine now you have the support of everybody. Everybody's helping each other on the things that they have identified. So you can imagine the, the satisfaction of meaningful accomplishment with delivering the products and services, but also how people feel about their personal lifelong learning, yeah. a commitment to uh, uh, development. Full engagement, full people engagement. That's right. the culture you create. Amazing. And again, Absolutely. if you're listening, go to the show notes and look at this slide because this single slide, this working together slide, this, this is a roadmap for running any organization from a small business to a multinational. Yeah. And it, it's just amazing to, to sit and look at this and study it and unpack it and listen to what Alan has been saying about this because like I said, this is this is a masterclass in leadership right here. Wow, folks, there was so much great information, so many great ideas and insights that Alan shared in the first half of this conversation that we've decided to, to stop here because there's so much more after the break, so much more in part two, we decided to do that as a separate episode. So stay tuned for part two of our conversation with Alan Mullally. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure that you're following so that you get notified when that episode drops. And if you're watching on Red Team TV on YouTube, make sure you click the subscribe button down below, ring the little bell. That way you'll get notified when this second half of the episode comes out. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Leader podcast sponsored by Red Team Thinking. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss the next idea-filled episode. Also, check out Bryce and Marcus's YouTube channel, Red Team TV. There you'll find video of today's podcast as well as previous episodes. And don't forget to visit redteamthinking.com to learn more about Red Team Thinking work and Marcus and Bryce's upcoming online courses. While you're there, take our free quiz to find out how you rate as a Red Team Thinker. And if your organization has a red team culture, because who thinks wins?